Hi, and welcome to the Young Family Small Business Podcast, the show that deep dives into conversations with experts in small business, raising a young family, or are shining examples of mastery in both. My name is Ben Walker, and I'm the founder of Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants, and the host of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants. We've worked with thousands of business owners since we started in 2013, and we're best known for saving our client base a total of $17 million in tax and counting. For every dollar of tax we proactively save a small business, Inspire donates a day worth of access to life-changing food, water, health, or sanitation services to a family in need. If you're interested in speaking with an accountant to see how we could help your business, head to inspire.business forward slash chat. Our next guest is none other than Taj Pabari. Taj is one of Australia's youngest and most successful social entrepreneurs. He's the CEO of the Australian School of Entrepreneurship, a social enterprise that helps develop the entrepreneurial skills of school students, young entrepreneurs, and anyone aged five to 21 years with a passion for innovation. The ASE has partnered with government, the private sector, and educational institutions to deliver real and authentic entrepreneurial education for more than 100,000 students. That's huge. I had a great chat with Taj. Some things I picked out of it was some tips around raising entrepreneurial children, which uh, I think the, the parents out there will, will absolutely love. And uh, I just want to encourage you to listen out for why he reckons you need to ask your children to order dinner when you're at a restaurant. So thanks, Taj. Hey, Taj, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast, mate. It's been, um, yeah, really looking forward to your episode. Thanks for having me, Ben. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome. And my first question is always to tell us a bit about your family. Family, yeah, sure. All right, so mum was brought up in England. She followed a very, very traditional pathway in the sense she was in university for like forever, then went to an internship, went back to university, then went to a junior job, senior job, and stayed in employment, and she loves it, um, mm. which is great. And that, 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 that was good for her. Dad, on the other hand, was brought up in East Africa, he, in Kenya. Dad couldn't afford to go to university and went straight into employment um, from school. So I had two real opposing parents where, like, I didn't want any of those pathways. Like, I was quite happy to sit in school somewhat. Mum wanted me to follow a traditional path like she did. And as a student who was on, like, three suspensions by grade six, I was having, <laughs> right, like, literally none of it. You were the back row bandit. It was terrible. Like, it's not, it's not like I was like hugely, or well, I was actually disruptive, but it, it wasn't like with groups of people. I was, I just did not enjoy being there. I couldn't see why I was there. So found every other reason not to be there or to do something else whilst, whilst the teacher was teaching. Yeah. Um, so mum kind of came from a background where she wanted me to, to follow what, what she did, a nice traditional pathway. I come from an Indian, Indian background as well. So from a grandparent's point of view, it was be a doctor, be a lawyer. Um, <laughs> and that was definitely, like, I couldn't be either of those things from a grades point of view. And the idea of, like, dressing up in a suit all day, like, was just horrible. And I really didn't find playing on the insides of people that interesting either. Mm. So growing up, like, I had two parents who were very uh, alternate with their thoughts of what they wanted for me. But the general consensus was don't get expelled. And I was on probation. So I was definitely pushing the boundaries uh, from both of their uh, visions for their first child. Uh, dear. There you go. And how did they meet out of interest? 
Good question. Uh, they met in England, actually. Um, yeah. My dad actually, his, his, the first time he ever got on a plane was when he was like 25 years old. Yeah, wow. And his first trip was, was, was to England. And uh, in that trip or subsequent trips, he, he met my mother and they decided, let's move to, to a country that we don't have. They originally moved back to, to East Africa, where he was from, and decided that the crime in Kenya was a little extreme to raise a child. Um, and they thought, yeah. let's pick a country that is just, we've got no, no support mechanism, let's, let's start afresh. Um, and they moved to Australia. Wow. There you go. That's, um, that's a big step from, from sort of Europe and Africa over to here. Absolutely. Um, no, I'm, I'm absolutely glad they did. I, I, I love the country. Mm. Yeah, awesome. And, and so could you paint a bit of a picture for us then? So you, you're kind of a bit of a rebel at school. How, how did that sort of end? <laughs> um, and and what, what happened after that? <laughs> well, like the things I was doing in the classroom, like I wasn't necessarily picking lots of fights with other kids. Like it wasn't that sort of naughtiness. I was like, I was a nerd, um, not a very book smart one, but I loved being on computers. So like the way I would get into trouble was by having naughty things on my computer or giving things <laughs> to like in like illegal music or, or games. Oh, okay. Um, I was nine. Um, and uh, it was sort of like, it was just, I was just bored then. Like yeah. I really just wanted to start my career straight away. Um, mm. I was bored in the classroom and from like grade two to about grade six, I genuinely did not see the purpose in what we were doing. So long division, for example, I was a nerd. I had, I loved playing with electronics. I loved playing with any form of electronics. And my idea of a perfect weekend, like my sister was a very academic child, loved all the co-curricular activities. Mum and dad would drop her to like every co-curricular every day of the week. I didn't want to do co-curricular activities because my idea of fun was dropping me to a department store and I would sit in JB Hi-Fi or Harvey Norman for an extended period of time and play on every single machine Um, because that's what I really enjoyed. I loved it. And that was literally my weekends that that's what I really, really wanted to do. Um, And school didn't give me the capacity or give me the freedom to do that. Hmm. Uh, Or even the time outside of the classroom to actually entertain the thought of doing something bigger than just school. And just was getting into trouble with like not focusing. And I think the biggest I think the, the day I realized that school might not necessarily be the place that I find success was when we were learning long division. And I think now <laughs> looking back at the idea of long division, like I just could not get my head around the fact that we were, we, we were the tech generation. I started in school with computers. It was very normal for my generation to be using electronics multiple times throughout the day and with a calculator. And the idea of spending a whole term teaching kids about long division, which was a skill that was not necessarily based on your problem solving, your ability, your ability to adapt, your ability to really understand a topic, but rather your ability um, to follow a knowledge-based instruction and uh, an instruction that machines were doing far quicker, far more efficient, and far more accurate. And I just couldn't get my head around it. Um, and I think through school, that was a consistent thing. Well, why I'd much rather be in school to learn the things that I couldn't learn myself or a machine couldn't do. So from a maths point of view, teach me about problem solving because all of these basic equations can be done with a calculator. And school didn't want to teach me that. So I was looking for alternative pathways. Yeah, okay. And did you find you were kind of, you just understood that stuff quickly and therefore you mastered it in in a fraction of the time 
um, and you just wanted to move on? Or was it that you, you just actually weren't good at it, but you knew something else could do it? Oh, gosh. Like, I wasn't a very book smart kid. Like, in exams, I'd still be a CD student then. Yeah. Um, but in, when it came to certain subjects, so English, I loved writing stories. There you go. Um, when it came to maths, when it was based around uh, real-world situations, that's when I was doing really, really well. Got it. Um, it was all the things that were, when I actually found an interest in it, I did really, really well. It was the things that I was just like, what is the point? I was literally a C and D student. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a problem because like C's, I guess, like uh, George Bush said, the uh, C grade students get by, right? Um, for, all, for all the C grade students, you two can be president, but the D's <laughs> were the problem. Mm. And I think like just consistently failing certain subjects were, were quite unfortunate, especially for mum and dad. And I think it was just, I, I could not see the point and I put very little effort into actually completing anything. And finally, when I saw the point in certain things and they were the project-based learning tasks, so unit of inquiries, that's where I was far more interested and those were the subjects I did really well in. Mm, awesome. Very cool. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, could, could you walk us through towards the end of school? Like what, and, and maybe context for the audience, when did you finish school? What year? So I finished school in 2016. Um, yep. So I'm 20, 22 now. I ended up finishing school. Mum and dad didn't let me drop out of school, which was great. I'm glad they didn't. I had a couple of businesses from school. So at the age of nine, I had my first tech blog. So instead of just sitting and not listening in the classroom, I was sitting and not listening to what the teacher was saying, but I was writing electronic reviews at the back of the classroom for the tech I was playing with at the department stores. And I started when I was nine had that till I was about 11 or 12 years old, which was a great experience. I was no longer on probation at school because I was, I actually found something I was interested in. Um, had a, another business throughout school, 56 Creations, which was all about teaching young people about digital literacy and graduated running that business alongside high school and then ended up running that business um, for a few years after that, which was cool. So as soon as I had my own business, I re-engaged in mainstream education. It gave me that outlet to do something that was a bit bigger than just school. Yeah, cool. But you had to relate it to the, something you're actually interested in rather than just get told a standard curriculum. And I wasn't sitting in school to get grades. I was sitting in school to learn skills that I wanted to know that would help me in business. Yeah. I knew what I wanted to do. I found my passion and I wanted to do a lot of it. I was sitting at school, like the subjects I took in grade 12 weren't the subjects I was very good at. They were the subjects I was genuinely interested in. And I think like that's probably one of the biggest problems we have in school right now that School was here to prepare us for the real world. Instead, we've now got young people literally there to get good grades. And that's all fine and good. But if school's purpose was to prepare us for the real world, there is a significant divide between the things that school's teaching us versus what we as human beings actually need to know in the workforce of the future. Awesome. And I think we'll get to what you're doing now in a sec, but do you have any sort of um, tips or, or things for, for parents listening who might sort of observe similar things happening with their kids, like they might be really engaged in some subjects and not in others. Like any any sort of recommendations? <laughs> Look, I think the biggest one is obviously leave if, if your child's academic, fantastic, congratulations, you've got an academic child and that's wonderful. But for most young people, that's quite simply not the case. They're going to be getting B's and C grades, and that's totally okay. There is a life outside of school. And if they start that life outside of school, whether it be in business and entrepreneurship, wonderful. 
Mm. Even if it's them having a casual job and instead of getting A grades or B grades, they're getting C grades, but have a casual job from the age of 14. That's wonderful because the relationships they're going to make from that job from a really young age or the communication skills or the financial literacy skills they're going to learn from having a job or being in a job is massive. That That's not skills you can get. No one's going to grade you on that skill in school, but as soon as they leave the classroom, that's what employers are looking for. They want someone who's had real world experience and perhaps just encouraging your young person or your child to go get that first job because it's very clear. I know with the, the staff that we hire, and I'm sure it's uh, similar with, with you guys, the, the young ones that have had a job from the age of 14 have far better customer service and people mm-hmm. skills than the ones who may have focused really hard in school and then got a job at the age of 21 after they graduated from university. I think the second one, even just how to raise an entrepreneur or a young person or a creative young person is the teaching of financial literacy at home. My parents mm. taught me about financial literacy and I didn't even know they taught me until I started hiring lots of other young people and they had no clue. We were teaching these skills to young people, mm. but mum and dad from a really young age taught me about the value of money. They always encouraged me to work. They always encouraged me even just having basic budgeting discussions from a really young age, I didn't know this was, other kids didn't have this. I was just brought up in an environment where mum and dad spoke about money at home. They talk about the various investments they were making. They spoke about the various sort of financial decisions they were making at home. And I think just subconsciously, I was listening to all of this stuff and it absolutely helped me when I, when I started. Yeah, how good. Ah, cool. And, and so oh, there's a cat in the background. <laughs> Working from home. Yeah, we adopted him, actually. His name's George. He's a beautiful, beautiful oh, Persian cat. Oh, mm. lovely. We had two of those when we were growing up. <laughs> so fluffy. Cool. Uh, and so take us through your thought process and how you came to start the Australian School of Entrepreneurship. Yeah, definitely. Well, the Australian School of Entrepreneurship was really was the first initiative within the AC group. Um, it was sort of the initiative that I always wanted in school. Um, my biggest problem school with school was it didn't teach me, it didn't prepare me for the real world, and I didn't learn the skills I needed for the real world. And when we asked lots of other young people, I wasn't an isolated instance. Most young people finish school without the adulting 101 skills they need in the real world. So the idea of the Australian School of Entrepreneurship was to really provide young people with the adulting skills they needed to thrive. And that's exactly what we're doing. We do that through three initiatives within the group, the Australian School of Entrepreneurship, which is all about school workshops, online education, um, and core youth partnerships. Um, Mm. We've got the Australian School of Employment, which is contracted by state government, federal government, and local council to deliver self-employment programs. And then we've got our business camp school holiday program. So instead of going to like basketball camp or or chess camp, like growing up, mum and dad sent me to some horrible school holiday programs. Like they worked full time and like, I hated these programs. I just wanted to sell things for three days. That's exactly (laughs) what we created. We created a business camp that runs all across the country. And in three days, the kids learn about the highs and lows, love and pressure of the world of business, which is pretty cool as well. Mm, Cool. And, and so could you give us some examples of, um, and, and I'm guessing kind of many businesses are started out of these camps. Like what are some of the results of these, these um, few days that kids spend together? Yeah, definitely. All right. So we kind of 
across the group initiatives, we really get the young people to focus on micro businesses. Yep. We, don't, we think like kids pitching global solutions is fantastic and it's very cute, but mm. they don't do anything about it, um, which is a problem. Um, <laughs> get identify local problems yep. and brainstorm micro business solutions. Um, and what we find is the kids actually start them because if they're not, if they don't require millions of dollars to start, who would have known they actually start them? Mm. And we've had some, uh, we've got Emily in, uh, in, in Melbourne. She grew up in a low-income household where she faced, uh, or her mother in particular faced, period poverty. And her idea, she was the winner of our Westpac Youth Impact Challenge last year, and she pitched an idea um, which would be uh, sort of gamifying raising money for, for pads. Um, and she's now distributed more than like 16, 15 or 16,000 pads. Um, and she's like 15 years old. And this was just a girl who experienced period poverty or a family experienced period poverty firsthand. She was a single parent. Um, mm. And Emily, her daughter, 15 years old, thought, how, how can I start this? And she gamified the way in which we fund or raise money for, for people who don't have access to sanitary products. And to distribute like literally 15 or 16,000 pads is ridiculous for yeah. someone who's not even legally allowed to start a, uh, or be a director of their own company. We've got our EPAC boys in Noosa. They yeah. saw, well, we've got a significant problem with plastic uh, pollution in, mm. in Noosa. And these were like, I think, nine years old when we first met them. And they identified yeah. plastic pollution as a problem. And they started the EPAC, a world's first tourism, uh, eco-tourism kit, which included like a coconut bowl, a spork, um, an upcycled beach towel, reusable coffee cup, et cetera. And they ended up pitching their idea to the former <laughs> US Vice President, Al Gore, um, and they've now sold um, hundreds, if not thousands, of these EPACs across the country. It's stocked in their Australia. And these kids were nine years old when they started the business, which was awesome. And they all came through one of our ASC programs. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, and could you run us through what the, I guess, what the programs are that you offer? Mm, yeah, definitely. Well, I think across all of our programs, the simple foundation is we get the students to identify a problem that mm. actually means something to them whether it be in their local community or global community. Mm. Um, we want them to do something in their local community because it's a lot more personable. They can see it, they can touch it, they can experience it, or they have experienced it. And then we work with the students just through basic ideation principles to identify micro-business solutions. We take the students through making sure their idea is actually feasible, market research, helping them put it into an elevator pitch, business yes. pitch, help them find whether it's investment in kind support, uh, revenue, if it is just a direct sell-to-consumer initiative, all the way to helping them after after launch. So how do we get more revenue for these business ideas? How do we make these business ideas scale? Um, And we take them from the very start of starting an idea all the way to how do we actually get these students' investment ready or um, how do we make these ideas actually scale? And last year, uh, through our alumni, um, they collectively made more than $600,000 of revenue or income or in-kind support from, from the programs, which is pretty awesome because they weren't just ideas, they actually made real income from these ideas. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I once heard a uh, interesting, like how, how solving actual problems turns into dollars and it's not necessarily yep. what they're doing because of that. But uh, a mentor of mine says, um, people pay money for you, for you to solve their problems. And, in, and if you're causing them problems, people pay money for you to go away. This exactly. Is <laughs> side, side note. These kids, like as you, these kids are literally starting businesses that none or quite a few of them probably won't change the world in any capacity. Mm. Like our most recent Logan program, 
a kid literally just said, well, we've got a shortage of gardeners in Logan that charge less than $50 an hour. Getting paid $50 an hour as a 16-year-old is nuts. So they said, well, we're not going to charge $50 an hour. We're going to charge 40, $35 to $40 an hour for our gardening services. And he started a landscaping gardening business. Mm. That's not going to change the world, but it's an income-generating micro-business that's mm. solving a market need in Logan. And he's making money, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and how so- old is he? 16. Um, he went. He goes to uh, Woodridge State High School, I believe. Um, and the the local member uh, actually bought him a lawnmower for him to start his his business as well. And he goes around. Mo cuts is his business. He actually came over to my place a few weekends ago, awesome. and he just mows people's lawns. And it's a problem. Um, and he's solving it with his uh, lawn mowing and uh, landscaping business. How good. Okay. And, and so how, like, I mean, you know, my, my kids are a bit young now. They're, they're um, 10 months and almost three is, is our oldest. Um, right. So they're, they're a little bit away from school. But like how, well, maybe first question is like, what, what are your, what's your guidance to, to parents on how to raise entrepreneurial kids? Really just encourage, I really think especially the, the idea of young people working from a young age is mm. fundamental. I am so glad mum and dad let me start from a young age. Mm. And it like even if they don't start a business, going into a casual job makes a difference to the ability for that young person to communicate um, after they they leave school. So just encouraging that young person to go and kind of work. Yeah. Obviously, if they if they work for themselves, they can start at any age. But certainly, if the idea is they they want to go and get a casual job, let them do that as soon as they're they're legally allowed to. Yeah. Um, I think even just as an easier one, from a young age, mum and dad always got me to give the table order to the waiter or um, the the front counter. And as a young person, like it's really daunting, like an eight-year-old going up to the counter and ordering something. Like I hated it, but I'm so glad they did because I, even when things say something went wrong with the order, mum and dad asked me to go and say, well, we didn't order that. Could you please replace it? Or Mm. hey, we're waiting on X. And what, like they made me, they put me in situations where I kind of had to learn people skills. And that wasn't from like 15. That was from when I was a really, really young kid. And that's something that we, as parents, that's something very easy. When if you're ordering something at a restaurant, get the child to order. Um, It's daunting as a young person to go up and order. But the things they'll learn from having a conversation with an adult, even just mirroring the way in which they communicate, will teach them something. When you're like, not that anyone orders a pizza anymore via phone, but um, if you're ordering a pizza via phone, get the child to do it. Get the child to talk on the phone because just getting them a bit more comfortable on the phone from a really young age is just starts them off earlier because you can't learn confidence or communication from a textbook. You learn that from experimentation. If they can start experimenting from the age of six, that really will create a really holistic young person with the skills they need. Yeah, how good! That's uh, that's very unexpected, but so good. I think if I let Rose Rose order our um, our breakfast, we'd have about twelve dozen. Um, no, actually, that's that's a dozen dozen. There's my oh. long long multiplication. Um, <laughs> we'd have it anyway. I think is that 144. <laughs> but anyway, we'd have a lot of baby chinos. Love uh, she just ordered so many of them. But anyway, <laughs> um, and so okay, so we've um, yeah, so so sort of give them a nudge to engage in communication. I love that you've sort of said that that the the job is like you haven't even once sort of mentioned that the the reason to go and get one is to you know pay their way a little bit or um, earn a bit of money for pocket money, but it's it's actually more about their life development that they might get 
sort of seven, eight, nine years head start on to someone who just does school, finishes that, goes to uni, learns theory for another three or four years, and then gets their first job. Like they, they've just got such, they've got almost a decade head start on that. Totally. And yeah, of course, like the money is great for young people. That yeah. way they're not being funded by their parents. Like, like I've got quite a few mates who, who, whose parents sort of said, if you get good grades, we'll fund you through school. We'll give you your allowances and whatnot. And I think that's ridiculous because that never happens in the real world. Like your mm. boss is not just going to say like, oh, if you don't work this week and you do really well um, with your, with, with your study, <laughs> you'll get paid or yep. uh, like it, it is just senseless paying your child through or giving your child an allowance through school. Um, and mum and dad never did that with me. I think it's great because I had to find ways to make money for myself. Um, and that's yep. why I decided self-employment was the pathway for me from the age of nine. But <laughs> like, yes, the money is important, but the, the overall holistic skills, that's priceless, right? Mm. Um, that's an education you can give to your child without literally doing anything. They're the ones flipping burgers or whatever else they're doing um, in their casual jobs. They're doing the hard work whilst learning some awesome as skills. Yeah, oh, very cool. Um, and tell us how, um, like it seems like you've met quite a few interesting people um, in, in the world. Tell us how you came to meet like Al Gore and Will Smith and even the, uh, the Prime Minister of Australia. Yeah. Well, how did that all happen? <laughs> Will Smith's one was pretty cool actually because I was traveling, I was on a study tour with Westpac um, yep. and we were doing like, it was part of the business of tomorrow program. And we were going through the U S and Shanghai and whatnot. And on the way back from, I think Seattle, we were on the way from Seattle to Shanghai and in the airport lounge, Will Smith. I, so I walked into the bathroom first of all, and <laughs> Will Smith was there on like in the trough area, which was incredible. And I was like, oh, this is kind of random. And it was like, just so like, so normal. Wasn't wearing a hoodie. Just, it was just Will Smith. Um, and you never say like, it was just random. So I went to the bathroom and I was like, hey, g'day, um, et cetera. Um, and then finally, when, when he came out, he was sit, sat right behind us Jeez. and we said, Hey, can, can we have a chat? And like, he was more than happy to have a chat. In fact, he was, he was so quotable and it was incredible. And I can't even remember what I said because it was just so <laughs> random seeing Will Smith there. And he was just so generous with his time and was like, we, we had hash browns. We, it was, it was incredible. And we was just sitting in this airport. Um, with Will Smith, Jaden Smith came over. Yeah, wow. um, it was honestly incredible. It was just totally random, actually. And um, we had a great chat. We spent about 40 minutes in an airport with like the Will Smith. And yeah. everything he said was just so beautifully quotable, which was w w really was wonderful for a celebrity to be as cool as they seem, mm. even off camera and off interviews. This guy was just genuine. We ran a cool youth challenge with the state government a couple of years ago um, called the Minister's Climate Challenge and mm. where we got young people to identify problems in their community to do with climate and brainstorm solutions. And our goal was going to be in Brisbane at the time and we kind of mm. were chatting to the state government and thought, what's well, something that we could do that's cool with young people, young Queenslanders, mm. um, and someone like Al Gore, who's like never in Brisbane. Yeah. They agreed to it, which was epic. So we had like 15 kids and us present their business ideas to Al Gore and then Al Gore gave feedback um, to <laughs> the kids and the EPAC boys I spoke about earlier um, were one of the kids that got to, or one of the groups that actually got to present to, to Al Gore and Brizzy. And to just have like an opportunity for like us, absolutely, it was an honour to be part of that. But even just an opportunity for kids that we were able to sort of mould, present their idea to not just like the Minister for Environment who was also there, which was great, but to have a global figure in environmental science 
listen to the next gen of young Queenslanders. Honestly, it was just nuts. Um, so we've been very lucky to to have to we've been lucky to to have some really cool people interact with with our organisation. Actually, hmm. yeah, that is awesome. And, and how about Scomo? How did that come about? <laughs> yeah, like. Again, like I think when you start a business when you're young, you just bump into really, really cool people. I was lucky enough a couple of years ago to be awarded the Queensland Young Australian of the Year Award. And mm-hmm. as part of that kind of the, the award, we were invited to the PM's place for coffee. And like I was 16 or 17. Um, <laughs> and just being, and that was uh, Malcolm Turnbull's time um, mm-hmm. and kind of just, like the day we caught up with him at his place at, at the lodge in Canberra was mm. literally the morning after the, he spoke to Donald Trump for the first time about, about the refugee settlement deal, which was obviously a very contentious thing. And if you read the reports, that was the day when there was a significant disagreement between um, President Trump and PM Turnbull. And we m- met him a few hours after that phone call. Mm. And it was insane. Like this guy was just like, Malcolm Turnbull's eyes were red. He looked like he had, like, it, he looked like a little, it was just, it was insane, actually. And we've just been able to meet some really cool people. Like, it was yeah. a random day meeting him. He was barely talking. He was totally preoccupied. And then yeah. the new PM came over. Uh, Scott Morrison was was brought in. And the first time we met him was, he was literally just in the lobby of our office. I was walking in from a meeting and he was in the lobby and then met him in Canberra after budget week. We've just been able to meet some really cool people. And I think as a young entrepreneur, these people want to meet you. And like, it just made life so much easier, especially with meeting politicians, because getting meetings with some of these people has been a bit tricky, I understand, with older people. But as a young person, like they're quite happy to meet the next gen. Um, So we've been really, really lucky. Um, So it's been great. Hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and so if you're if you're uh, an, listening to this podcast and you're keen to know like how, how do I get my kids into these programs or, or to learn about this stuff, um, is it location based? You have to be in a certain area. Do you have to be in a certain school? Like, how does that work? Yeah, definitely. So we've got school based programs as well as programs that parents can register for, register their kids for. Yep. Um, so if you just head to asc.edu.au, we've got our online education that you can sign up for, or we've got our business camp school holiday program. So you just type in business camp in Google and we've got business camps all across the country, virtual camps, face-to-face camps, awesome. and three days where parents can just register their kids for a, for a whirlwind three days of business and entrepreneurship. Yeah, how good. Really, really cool, mate. And, and is there anything else you'd like to sort of share or, or um, stuff that we might not have covered in a bit of detail? No, I think that's pretty good, actually. Mm. That's, that's impressive. No, I am. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely keen. I mean, you know, it's kind of that bias where, you know, I've started my own business. My, my dad did, my, my grandfather did. And I, you know, not that you want to sort of necessarily force your kids to do something, but I definitely want to give them those sort of opportunities. And that's given me so much clarity personally. So, um, just thank you, Taj. Um, I, I hope uh, other uh, people who are listening also got lots out of it. And um, yeah, if people want to follow, we've got the ASE website, we'll put that in the show notes. But if people want to follow you and what you're doing, what's the best way to um, to do that? Yeah, definitely. Well, you can catch me on Instagram, just my full name, Taj Fabari, or, or, or Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm on all of the socials. Um, but no, happy to, happy to chat if any of your listeners want to, want to chat more. Yeah, fantastic. And is that um, tech blog still up and running? It's not. It's uh-huh. not. As soon as I started my 
56 Creations, which was teaching kids about digital literacy. I managed to sell the domain for a few thousand dollars, which was awesome. Um, because like I started that bit, the, the next business when I was 13. So to have a few thousand dollars just to start mm. was incredible. So no, it's no longer around, but I'm very glad that it started because I was getting like, had some cool Google ads and managed to sell the domain in the end, which was cool. Awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thanks again, Taj. Really enjoyed having you on and uh, yeah, um, we'll, we'll be in touch soon. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with today's guest, you can find their contact information in the show notes in the podcast section of our website at inspire.business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the Young Family Small Business Podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Also, do join our Facebook community. You can find that by going to youngfamilysmallbusiness.com. And if you're interested in speaking with an Inspire accountant, head to inspire.business forward slash chat, where you can book a free 20-minute strategy call. And lastly, to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on my Instagram, uh, which is the at symbol Ben Walker, C-A, or one word, or at Inspire underscore accountant. Thanks again, and see you next time.